listening to Get Woke Wellington, brought to you by the National Council of Women's Wellington Branch. Call Prudence Tokuengwa. Call Harita Tokuengwa. Call Lily Tokuengwa. Call Aisha Tokuengwa. We're NCW branch members and your Get Woke Wellington hosts. This show allows the National Council of Women to support and inform what us Welly women want in our communities. We also want to raise awareness about the National Council of Women's activities and encourage your membership. You can visit our website or follow us on Facebook and Instagram to find out more. All right, we're here with Iona Panett, who is a councillor for Pukahinu, Lambton Ward, and she's also the current chair of the Environment Committee. Welcome, Iona. Lovely to have you. Oh, kia ora koutou, and welcome um, to the listeners, hopefully, as well. And thank you so much for inviting me along today. So we're here having you on the show because you're a candidate for the local government elections coming up at the end of the year. How, but tell us, how long have you been involved in local government politics and what drove you to run for Wellington City Council? This is where it gets embarrassing because I've probably been involved since 1997, um, not as an elected member, but you know, as an activist and campaigner and then got elected in 2007. Pretty Not cool. as long as the mayor, but, you know, <laughs> doing pretty well there. So you've been, uh, you've also been a member of the Tech for Kids Coalition during the national elections and, uh, and an outspoken child rights advocate. How do you think you will champion children's right in local government? Look, we try and do that all the time. So I've been a long-term campaigner on climate change, um, on sustainable transport, um, for example, so that's where you can definitely put children and young people's interests um, at the heart um, because it's about creating streets and roads which are, are friendly to vulnerable users, which are places for living rather than just driving through. Um, and I'll just give you an example. Tomorrow we're going to be debating whether we put, in principle, a 30k speed limit through most of the city, and that's going to be great for kids. And yes, there will be... A small cost to adult drivers, but it will be great for kids because they'll be able to walk and scooter safely to school. So, how do you how do you champion children's rights when Wellington City local government is funded by the ratepayers, right? And and those are adults, not children. And amongst the adults, there are so many different competing. Um, interest groups. How do you wade through all of that or cut through all of that with children's rights? How do do you champion um, children's rights in in council? That's a great question. So um, I have supported the campaign to at least lower the voting age to 16. So there there is a good practical start because, you know, young people don't have the um, franchise. I... um, I saw the Fabian Society just had a champion for lowering the the voting age at the, um, at their their local event. Just you could e- you can even lower uh, lower than sixteen. Even it would be maybe twelve. Um, so I guess what look I mean, as a woman, I always come looking at as a parent as well. I never leave the fact that I'm a parent at home. Hmm. You know, so. Um, with every decision we look at what what would be in a child's best interest, whether it's an economic strategy or whether it's a transport one or whether it's building a new community centre, you can always put that lens on. Mm. Um, but it is difficult when it is parents sometimes acting supposedly in children's interests. 
um, like in the transport space, for example, how do you separate out those interests and how do you get good um, views from children? Like there are some quite specific engagement methods you need to use to, to be able to get get some really great feedback. And we have done some of that, but we need to do more. Um, one thing we do do is fund the EnviroSchool network, um, so that does help children get empowered um, about looking after the environment. So that's one practical way to to empower. Hmm. Is there also um, fact? Do you also factor in the fact that there is children's safety involved in you know how do you kind of and you mentioned that you do engage with kids and kind of understanding what do they need. So can you really very briefly touch upon what those methods look like of engagement? I think sometimes pizza's a good... Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking I back to my that. UNICEF days and thinking pizza, jelly beans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Food, food, food is a good yeah. accompaniment. Um, look, we go, we go into schools, that's often a good place, or even better, the kids come to us and um, come into our world and... And, and give their views and it's always amazing when they do and they say look I want a safe cycle way or I want um, to clean up the harbour or whatever um, I guess it is just um, depending on the age of the, the child um, because of course what is appropriate at 5 is not appropriate at 12 or 15 so playing games, doing drawings um, making up mock elections I was just at Wellington Girls the other day talking about what um, is involved in local government. They were year nine, but they look really big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think that, you know, yeah, they all look quite old. Um, so that, yeah. And then were, they open their mouths and they sound really old. That, that's <laughs> right, that's right. So, there, yeah, there are a variety of ways, but we, we need to get better. Um, and it, it is difficult when you, you know, when children are still sort of forming their own views and getting the information that you need. So you want to be able to give some ideas without sort of dominating and dictating how people should think. Okay. Yeah. So what are the challenges you face as a councillor and are they any different as a woman in politics as opposed to your male counterparts? Well, I could go on about the <laughs> challenges of local government that we haven't got enough money and we haven't got the legislative power that we um, that we need. Um you know, one of the things that's happening at the moment is Labor, the Labor government's going on a very strong centralising drive. So wanting to take power out of the hands of local communities, you know, through water reform or health reform. Um, I think as a woman that, look, it's never really bothered me that much. I, and I was thinking about this, that I'm grateful to the women that that stood before us and paved the way. You know, it's been it's been quite good. However, um, social media can be toxic and, you know, like I'm really intolerant. Anyone abuses me, you know, I'll shut them down because I don't think it's acceptable. Um, the other thing is, is being a single mum in politics. It is difficult in terms of the childcare and that sort of thing mm. because you don't work regular hours. So I think that is a challenge um, for women because you do work weekends and evenings and there's no childcare available. Wow. Yeah, so there is there is some talk within local government circles about subsidising for childcare because particularly in provincial or rural areas where you don't have a full-time job then that can be really difficult and, not, and you're not paid women. a lot yeah yeah, yeah it is it is a, a practical barrier if you don't have other people uh, from the village so to speak that that can that's can um but look I'm really lucky I think you just 
that I had been protected from a lot of sexism. Um, but of course, I I would you know there are Maori women obviously in our in local government who will have a different experience or from different ethnic minorities or um, who are gender diverse who might not have such a positive experience. So we've still got some work to do there. Yes. And what do you think are the issues that drive you to run your, again, for councillor this year? Well, I guess I've spent my young years just advocating that change is needed. And it was really, really hard work. So change in terms of protecting our environment is where I've mainly come from and for uh, a more just and equitable society. Um, and now it finally feels like we are in a space where we can do the work. You know, we can introduce really transformational change like a complete cycle network for the city, lower speeds, real action on climate change. And, you know, that's the work that we've been wanting to do, but we've been stopped. Mm, so so being able to do the work is what drives me. Yeah. And there is a real correlation between, and you, as you mentioned before and touched upon, which like, you know, child right and climate action and all of that. And of course, you know, gen, millennials, Gen Zero, all of us are like really into that. And that's what kind of excites us to say, yep, this is something you are concerned about our future and this is what we want to do. Do you hear a lot in terms of feedback from, you know, the children or from the age group to say, yeah, this is what we want to see in climate action and this is what we want to do? Yeah, well, I think, um, sorry, I should have talked about housing. Like, so there has been a lot of young people leading the charge on on creating a different kind of city where you don't need a car and where you've got a um, an apartment or a house close to public transport. And that's been really good that they, they've got in there and, and argued for that. Um, and really challenged us on, you know, housing standards, which is important too. Like, people my age did grow up in mouldy cold houses. It was just the way it was. Mm. Um, and obviously that that has changed now. So I think that's um, very positive. So, yeah, we do get a lot of... I think the argument has changed now that, we, that people accept that climate action is necessary and then that they, they record concerns about consultation but generally the the um the narrative has changed okay. I, I think I, I i'm gonna keep on this um a little bit because i i sense there's a bit of a generation gap when it comes to climate change and and the realization that the time is now or or yesterday when action should have been taken um, and the understanding of a just transition. I think our, our listeners would really be informed um, by better under well as as voters in local government elections, understanding the intersection there is between um, people in in poverty being able to take climate action. Um, as easily as uh, more socio-economically advantaged groups of of Wellingtonians. And and young people are very much in one camp and not the other. Can you speak a little bit about the just transition and what Wellington City Council was doing there? I think we need to move beyond the just transition, unfortunately, that... (laughs) That was probably 20 years ago um, when we had more time. I think we need to go to the right solutions. But the point is the solutions that we look to change need to be affordable to those who, who have the least. And look, I think one of the reasons why I'm motivated around climate change is that the the 
vast bulk of our world's population live in gross poverty, right? Like, it's only a few small percentage of people who can live with a degree of privilege. And so it's critical that we who are lucky enough were born into it, you know, reduce our consumption. So the the transition has to be around free public transport so that it's not just a luxury of people, you know, who can can kind of go, oh, well, I'm not going to have a car because it's bad for the environment. Everyone should be able to access it. It means that we do build cycleways. We make it safe for our, um, on our streets. We make for more um, sophisticated public transport options for people who may be doing shift work, mm. right, mm. so that they can get home safely. Or we do fundamentally change the nature of work too, actually, because the change needs to be at a big, um, at a very fundamental systematic level. Um, so I think, yeah, there are lots of things. Um, you know, look, we do provide subsidies to make houses warmer and drier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that there needs to be money coming in from central and local government to make sure that everyone can participate. But really, if we're going to have the change that we need, we must deal with those social inequalities, and that means that people need access to good housing and good work opportunities so that then they can actually take agency over their own lives rather than purely relying on the government of the day deciding mm-hmm. that activity needs to be subsidised. So those inequalities have to be removed to take action on climate. Can I touch a little bit more on the inequalities as part of the conversation, right? And this is slightly different from public transport and it's segueing into something else, but it would be interesting to get your thoughts on this. Um, when you when we say inequalities, and again touched upon this, you know, there are kids who are from better socioeconomic backgrounds who and as in, in this Kiwi culture, when you grow up, you grow up with the environment, you you know, you're very um easily accessible to the beaches, easily accessible to like hikes and all of that. So it's a really it's a way you grow up and that's just life. Whereas if you look at kids who and there is and of course there is a part of like, you know, everything out there, you just go for a hike, it's free, but it's not necessarily free. There is a lot of like the equipment that you you need, the right tools, the boots, the tools that you need to actually do these things. And that is not necessarily available, easily available to kids and families who are not so um, you know, socially well off um in terms of us even having that conversation with that particular group and saying that they need to know that they would want to protect the environment yes it's a conversation we're all looking at it is a broad stroke understanding of you know we there's global warming we all need to like reduce our emissions all of that and all of these for, for some for the lack of a better word it is also buzzwords at this point but where do we also breach the conversation of actually include of showing the kids or getting them to experience what is it that they're trying to protect so if i know everything so for um let's just say there is kid a who knows you know who's done surfing for example as a child growing up uh, or who's done hikes and knows that okay this is what i want to protect and i want to be able to access this and i don't want anything to happen so i will know exactly what i'm trying to do for as a kid who, for, uh, you know, a kid who does not have, ac- hasn't had experiences of, you know, doing these things, what does it mean for them? And in terms of how, and how do we bridge that gap, basically, to really understand what is it that we're trying to protect? So I think just as you were talking, I was thinking about how any solution to protect the environment needs to come hand in hand with a socially just outcome. So 
for example, the production of food um, in community gardens is one way of building community connection with nature, but also making sure that people can be fed yep. properly, right? Um, so that is the way to do it, to speak to people's everyday living experience that, you know, there are basic needs we must all meet whilst protecting the environment. Um, and I guess it means giving people the ability to have access to time as well. Mm. To be able to uh, access nature, you need to have the time as well, not yep. just the equipment. Yep. So then how do you, again, you make opportunities available to, to kids through nature programs, you know, so that they can experience it there through school or in the holidays or um, through youth leadership programs. There, yeah, there can be a whole lot of ways. But I think, yeah, it just has to tackle all the different kinds of inequalities. So we also, of course, the environmental movement in Aotearoa has been quite Pākehā-focused. So what does it look like when you put a Te Ao Māori perspective or other other different cultural understandings too but that will get a lot of richness from that and better understanding because at the moment the environment is still seen as this thing that's apart from us that we sort of have that to look after own. or we own <laughs> and control or we manage yeah. that's right um when that won't be the the cultural understanding of many many mm. different kind of people so yeah. so it, this is a complex thing but hopefully that's where the environment environmental movement needs to come on and move it needs to become more diverse. Yep. Yeah. Thank so you. Iona, are you are you happy with the dynamics and the direction of Wellington City Council or are you a champion of change? <laughs> well look, I've been a long time observer of the council and then a participant. Um look, I love the fact that we've got so many women. Um, you know, that is Yeah. That's why in a way this council has been incredibly progressive. Um for this triennium, it's been, yeah, that's been really positive. Um, and we've done lots of good things like making sure that mana whenua are actually paid to sit at, sit at the table rather than, you know, expecting to turn up unpaid and, and lots of good work in the transport space. Um, I guess there's still some work to do to think about how we do politics. You know, it's still is really adversarial, mm. still about dominating people, um, and we just need to look at the way that we we work together. I think that's what needs to transform. And again, having some more diversity helps with that. Yeah. yeah. And let's cut to the chase kind of thing, right? Like, why should listeners vote for you this election? Look, that's a question I never like to answer, right? <laughs> it just always sounds incredi- incredibly arrogant, right? <laughs> you know, I think because so many people can make um, a useful contribution. Um, look, if I'm forced to answer it, I guess um, the thing I'm known for is having some integrity and having some courage, and I will stick to my principles, even when it's not particularly helpful to me. Um, And I think just being a strong advocate for our community and for the environment is is really what I bring and people know me for, and I will continue to do that work, you know, for the rest of my life, irrespective of what role I hold um, and we just need people also who can work with other people, even if they don't agree. And I do try to work across the spectrum um, to the end. Yep. I own a planet, people, a, a champion for change in the and for the environment and for the community. 
So what do, do you think it makes any difference running with a party or, or running independently? I mean, sure, surely you've seen the dynamics of both. And what, what are the advantages? And, um, and do you think it makes any difference to the voter? Yeah, I guess, look, I have run under a party banner. I guess it just makes it clear what you stand for. And um, obviously working collectively is a good thing to do. Um, but don't overestimate the party. You still have to do a lot of the work yourself, irrespective of whether you stand you know, independently or are party-endorsed, and you certainly have to pay for things. So um, <laughs> whether that makes much difference. I guess um, you know there has been some discussion about the role of, of lo- um, political parties in local government because people do see that your first loyalty should be to the city or the the territory that you represent. So I think that will be a subject for discussion. Um, But I think ultimately, at the end of the day, you just need to work really hard to get elected. That's what's needed. Mm. Yeah. I think that was... I loved your pitch, to be honest. I just liked that you were honest about, you know, where you come from and what your principles are, and I think that's really good. And I'm pretty sure listeners would, you know, relate to that, and that's awesome. Certainly our listeners, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, Iona. This has been really fantastic. It's a pleasure to have you uh, running for the community and as a female candidate, and we wish you all the best of luck. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for doing this program and thank you to the listeners for listening in and for doing all the amazing work that you do too.